You're listening to Tarot Talk, and I'm your host, Holly Ramey. I'm going to serve you some practical magic and give you tips and tools to bring the mystical into your everyday life. Okay, everybody, welcome to Tarot Talk. This is episode number 13, and I am your host, Holly Ramey. And today I am switching it up again. I'm here sitting with my mentor and tarot teacher, Bakara Whitner. Uh, she's a mystic. She's a tarot reader. She's a business owner. She's an author. She's a dog mama. She's a badass bitch. Hey. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Wow, that's like the best intro I've ever gotten in a podcast to be in. Cool. So uh, just to give you guys a little backstory, Bakara and I met while we were both living in New York City. She was the first person to ever give me a tarot reading in her apartment in Brooklyn, in Carroll Gardens, in your bedroom. Yes. And shortly after that, I joined a group called the Brooklyn Fools and we took a six-month tarot journey together and Bakara was my first teacher and mentor and she has gone on to open a magic shop. She has written a book about tarot as well as created two decks. Yeah. How you how you were introduced to tarot how did it find its way into your life yes so I was living in New York in Brooklyn I moved there in 2012 and in 2014 I was working at a literary agency in the city and one of the authors of that agency recommended a therapist nearby because my job was stressing me out badly like I went from no job, like post-grad, no job to having an assistant job at an agency where I was assisting two major people in the company. So, and getting paid dog shit. It's like anyone who works in the publishing industry knows. So I went, I started seeing this therapist and about two months into our session, she gifted me a deck at the beginning of um, a session. I went to work that day and I locked my office door and I like spread the cards in a circle around me. And I felt like, I don't know. I feel like the older that you get, the harder it is to hold something in your hands and regard it as sacred and regard it as precious and that can excite you and inspire you. It gets harder to feel that. Um, but I had never felt it so much with anything in my life than I did with that deck of tarot cards. Like I, I, I felt like my life was going to change because of the thing that I was holding. And Maybe it was the tarot cards or maybe it was the belief or maybe it was a little bit of both, but it definitely did. My life changed very, very quickly after getting them. I think it was six months after getting my deck that I quit my job to read full time. Mm. That's an awesome therapist, by the way, that hands you a deck of tarot cards in this session. Willing to break rules. First of all, what did you do to transition from being what in the publishing Mm-hmm. to becoming a reader and then how long did you read before you started teaching okay so oh my god it all happened so fast as you know um but I, I was given my deck in November of 2013 I think I left 
to read full time. It was like the beginning of summer. So it was like May. It was, so it was like six or seven months. Um, what it looked like was, I mean, I still was taking clients when I was working at the at writer's house, the literary agency, but I was just taking them. I would get off work at five. So I would go right home. My first client would be at six, seven, eight, nine, and then 10. And sometimes 11, depending on how busy it was. And so the way that I saw it was, I mean, luckily the making no money really helped me a lot because I was charging at that time, $50 for a reading. And it, at my job, I was making the equivalent of like 450 bucks a week. So I'm like, okay, if I can make 450 bucks a week in readings, then I can do this. And if I can't make 450 bucks a week in readings, then I can sell blood or I can sell something on Craigslist. Like, I'm like, it's not hard to make $450 a week. Like I'm creative, like I can make it work, but, and like, ideally also I can like trade with people. Like I can trade like a haircut for a reading can trade. So like I factored that all in and I was really honest with myself brass tacks about what I needed to make in order to survive. And it like, and so that made it very possible. It it became this like weekly thing that I needed to make sure could happen rather than this big, like, Oh my God, I'm jumping into the complete unknown. Even though I was, it offered some semblance of structure and not imposing unrealistic expectations on it at first. Um, but after when I was reading, um, and it had my full-time job. I wasn't reading enough to, to make enough. I needed to quit to make enough. And so that transition was terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. I asked everyone, I asked my tarot cards like 17 times a day, like all my friends, like it was like the only thing that could come out of my mouth. The, the whole universe was like, should I do this? Should I quit my job? Cause it wasn't just quitting my job. It was quitting my career. I went to college for like writing and publishing. And then I had it. It's like, do I quit my 401k? Do I quit my retirement plan? Do I quit my health insurance and my paid vacation and like just do whatever through Instagram? Like, do I do that? Um, but the answer was always, of course you do that. What are you going to do? This job that you don't want to do anymore because you know, tarot exists. Like you need to, like, I had, I had to do it. I've been there. I know you have. (laughs) I saw. Do I move to Brooklyn? (laughs) I take the subway underwater? You do. Oh my God. (laughs) So how did you find Jeff Hinshaw, the co-facilitator of the Brooklyn Fools and come to teach Cheryl? It is so magical. Like Jeff was such a magic human put into my life. So I was dating this guy um, at the time who lived in Williamsburg and Jeff was friends with his roommate through like a friend of a friend. So we're getting ready to go to the pride parade and Jeff comes over to tie dye stuff. He brings tie dye material. So he obviously comes in as the magician, the most magical, colorful human, like right off the bat. So I'm talking to him and we're tie-dyeing t-shirts for pride. This was before I got my tarot deck, dude. Oh my God. I hadn't even gotten my tarot deck. And we're sitting there tie-dyeing and he's like, so are you into tarot? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) That was it. I'm just like, yeah, sure. Like I like stuff. I'm like, I had a crystal at home. Like, I'm like, sure. Why not? So that was the pride period. When is pride? It's like in June, Mm -hmm. end of June. 
Um, so fast forward to November, I get my deck. And then I think it was uh, the next month I got a message from Jeff being like, Hey, I'm starting this community of like discussing the meeting once a week to discuss the cards. Like, are you interested in joining? And I'm like, how did you find me? Like, how did you even like get my name on Facebook to tell me this? But it was absolutely perfect timing. So I actually was Jeff's student before I taught with him. So I took the Brooklyn Fools the first year that he was facilitating it. And Jeff just brings a magic to something. Because I've taught on my own since Jeff. And like what Jeff does in his ability to create an atmosphere and then like the, the connections that he makes between numerology and astrology and tarot, like I was completely inspired and enamored by the generosity in which he taught us. Like he gave it everything he had. He made amazing things happen. Like we had the gatherings at the church and at the sound healer's house. And it was, it was just incredible. It was like witnessing the magician facilitate an experience for someone else. So when he asked me if I would do it with him, I was just so deeply honored and like, yes, of course I will do this with you. So I did it. It was hard. I mean, I remember thinking it would, I, I didn't think it would be as hard as it would. Like I had just adopted Zadie. I had just, I had just started reading full time. So I was like really, really busy. I was like, it was hard to fit it in and it was hard to see behind the curtain of what facilitating an experience actually looked like and felt like for people versus like just going there and experiencing it. So I learned, I learned a lot like, and I'm grateful for Jeff to Jeff for dealing with me. (laughs) Like, you know, like it was learning experience, but it was amazing. It was amazing. I was there and it was magical. It was magical. And then after that, right. So right before I left New York, I taught two tarot intensives. It was six people each and it was eight weeks. So we went through both the minor and major. And it was at, when I did that, I'm like, I want to teach ever forever for the rest of my life. Like this is the best thing ever. Like getting someone to understand and be passionate about something that you understand and are passionate about. So that kind of went on hold because everyday magic happened, but the teaching aspirations live on. That was going to be my next question. So fast forward four years, has it been? Five almost. Um, Now I'm in Nashville. You're in Durham. You've opened a brick and mortar store, Everyday Magic, written a book and created two decks. Have you continued teaching or reading during all of it as well? I have not. So the readings are, were infrequent. Like for a long time when I was writing the book, at certain points in everyday magic, my books were just completely closed. And like what I found, so I started doing, I do a free reading every Sunday night on everyday magic live. And that's my way of like, and it's the best reading that I give all week. <laughs> like you won't get a better one if you book an individual with me. But what I've done is I've kept my books open. Now I do individual readings, but they're $350. And like, for some people that's fine. It's not, I wouldn't, it's not casual for me. <laughs> um, but if I really, really needed it, I would, be able to do it. So I want to like leave my books open enough that if someone feels like they need that, it's not closed indefinitely, but I'm encouraging people to utilize the free resources for that and give their money in other ways. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what the fuck is tarot, which is your book and how that was birthed. (laughs) 
Oh my God. Out of like, like how everything in my life was, was birthed out of pure chaos and discord. So I open everyday magic. I moved down here. I open everyday magic. I break up with my boyfriend the same day that everyday magic, like the next morning. So it was like a whole big abracadabra moment. And so I opened the store in North Carolina, which is the state that I live in because of the guy I just broke up with. Um, in a house that we no longer live in together. So your girl's like couch surfing in a new city. <laughs> like, I don't have enough friends to be homeless here. <laughs> like, I don't have enough friends. It's like the border of like homelessness and couch surfing. But luckily everyone came through. And so I opened the store in March and it was in, it was May, March, April, May. I was approached to write, uh, what the fuck is tarot? And they wasn't what the fuck is tarot. Then they were just like, they're like, Hey, we like your voice on Instagram. Will you write a book about tarot? And I'm like, what do you want me to write about? And they're like, whatever you want. And I'm like, can I call it what the fuck is tarot? And they're like, sure. And I'm like, when's it due? And they're like, in six months. I'm like, oh my God. It's like, I've never even like, like I don't do Adderall. Like how am I going to get this done? Had you written a book before this? I wrote a book in college. I wrote a like pseudo memoir called I Hope This Is Fiction that has not seen the light of day, mm. but it very much exists in a Word document and maybe one day something will happen with it. But that was all of college. Like I went to college to write a book, like all four years, like I wrote that. So, and there's this difference, I guess, in my mind between literary, I mean, there is a difference between literary fiction and like, you know, a guidebook to something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't want to write a guidebook that wasn't going to utilize like what, how I feel as a writer as well. Like I didn't want it to be dry. I didn't want it to be unreachable. I didn't want it to be boring. Like I've never read a guidebook to anything. I don't read the guidebook. That's the point. You don't read the guidebook. You just figure it out. So, um, it's funny because my dream as ever since I was a little girl, it was like, you need to write a book. Like my aspirations were always literary. I worked in publishing before. So my inner child was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. And like my current adult is like, you're drowning in a new city. You just opened a business that you have no idea how to run. You're homeless. Like maybe you should just wait a year. Like maybe you should just wait. Like you haven't even reading that long. Like what do you, like you don't have any even like, do you even know what the court cards mean really? And I'm like, like fuck. Um, But I just did it because I had to. Like there was no way. Like it was too big of a dream to be approached and say no, even though like, it wasn't a dream that came with like a lot of money. It wasn't, but it was like Macmillan. It was going to be distributed by one of the big six. I mean, now it's like probably big three. They've consolidated so much, but Mm -hmm. it just looked like me sitting right like there for six months, like for a long time, every day thinking as hard as I could about like what I wanted to say about the tarot at that time. I feel like when something is aligned spirit just opens the fucking door for you and you like have no other choice to walk through no other choice but like here's the thing it's like if spirit knows me so well then why doesn't spirit give a fuck about my nervous system i feel like spirit's just like you know like there's just no chill it's like i get it like you want me to learn shit you want me to but it's like i know you don't have a body but like please please factor in like my cortisol and adrenaline levels. Like I have been shaking like a leaf for years. Yeah. I, you know, I just heard someone say, I don't even know where, probably on another podcast, but they said, and I don't know who said this thing, but they said like, 
spirit doesn't give like the soul doesn't they only care about the lesson they have zero fucks about the way that you get to it so like if you have to spend 10 years in a prison to learn the lesson then fuck you learn it like that's the fastest way spirit always does it the fastest way if 10 years in prison is the fastest way then like that's where you're gonna be learn the lesson there it is it's like when I opened medicine space in New York it was just like I was having a fucking pair of pants hemmed like that's all I was trying to do and the guy who owned the alteration store was like I want you to rent this space from me I'm like who are you even I don't know but now I have to fucking do it because it's here on a silver platter in front of me it um, always like the universe always delivers and it always delivers right on time. And I think that that freaks us out as humans. Cause we want to know ahead of time when things are going to arrive. Like this is such a stupid example, but I was with my friend. I was trying to get her a ticket to the Lizzo concert on Friday the 13th. She had like come in from out of town and like on Craigslist, like getting scammed, like whatever. And like, finally we were both just like resigned. I emailed everyone on Craigslist being like, I'm not paying you in advance. Because I learned, it's like, how do you want to scam a white girl out of money? It's like fake tickets to a Lizzo concert on Craigslist. Um, but I, so I emailed a bunch of people being like, just send me the tickets before and I'll Venmo you right after. And literally we're about to leave. And it's like, one girl was like, okay, sent. <laughs> like, yes. like, right on time, which is not like, I mean, it's a silly example kind of, but it's how it works. Like there are no advanced guarantees. And it's never, and it's not our time. It's on time, but it's not our time in our linear depiction of what we think it should be. I know. And like, what even is that? Like, what do you, what part of my mind? Cause like, there's like, my mind also feels very relaxed by the idea of like, relax, it's handled. But then there's this other part of my mind that's like, give me information and tell me what's going on. And like, give me the five-year plan. It's like, there is none, honey. Like the future is now. Like I think that's the whole thing of like ego versus soul work. We have to straddle the line always between the two. I have this thought actually today that like when you look at the like computer code, like the matrix code of zeros and ones, that like the zeros could be the ego and the ones could be a spirit. And it's like there is no one without the other. We understand one because of the other. It's how the universe is comprised. So there is no silencing the ego or accentuating the spirit. Like they're completely interdependent on each other. It's just acknowledging that there are both. It's like the nature of the duality in which we live. What does your spiritual practice look like in like a practical day-to-day way, like how do you straddle that line between the ego journey or the minor arcana and the soul journey, the majors? I haven't made my way to meditation, like what people would call meditation, but it has looked recently like spending a lot more time with myself and my thoughts. Like I feel like, um, whereas before I would kind of immediately react to a situation and play out its outcome in real time, I can kind of have a conversation with myself first of like, if you choose to react this way, this will probably happen. If you choose to do this, like I've, I feel like my spiritual practice right now is a very gentle reparenting 
of a very angry, neglected, hurt child. Like, so, and I'm not that anymore, but I am and I always will be. So it's, it's, um, finding the grace to love her. Um, but also to have the discipline to, to not be her anymore. It's, and it's like bubble baths and, you know, like building altars and shit. But really the thing that it actually is right now is, is that it's changing how I react to the world. Yeah. Well, just being able to witness that there are these younger parts of ourselves mm-hmm. and like, and that when they steal the show, they motherfucking steal the show. Like they yeah. take over our mind, they take over our body, they take over our nervous system. And it's just like, it took me a long time to realize that like, A, to witness that place doesn't mean that I have to like fix her, mm-hmm. like fix that little girl or solve her problems. And that I don't have to say necessarily anything that I just have to be able to be present with her. You have to be able to stand her. Mm-hmm. I have a three-year-old. I know. I was literally, I just thought about your daughter. I'm like, you're doing this in real time and with yourself. Like, <laughs> the tantrums are fucking real. It's like, you have to be able to let her literally spit in my face with and still love her anyway. <laughs> That is why women are amazing. That is why women will heal this whole motherfucking world. It's because what is needed is more compassion. What is needed is like to be a little bit more gentle, loving, considerate, understanding than we have any logical reason to be. But that is the medicine that will heal our world right now. For sure. Wow. It's, and we have to be that if we can't be that with ourselves and our inner children, then there's no fucking way that we're going to be able to do it with anyone else. No way. Cause we'll be too resentful. It's like, if we don't get mercy, why should anyone else get mercy? Like, uh-uh. if we can't create space for our feelings, how the fuck are we going to create space for anyone else's? Like we can't even communicate then. And it's like, if you do, the thing is, it's like, if you don't create space for your feelings and you create space for someone else's, then you're in some codependent fuck shit, like, that's not going to be clean anyway. No, because you have no boundaries. Oh, we just have to do our work. There's no way around it. Oh. <laughs> I think, too, it's like this idea of self-care, because it's such a buzzword now, like self-love and self-care. And it's like you know, like you said, there are the baths and there are the altars and there is the ritual, but at the end of the day, like you can do that shit all day long. But if you're not willing to get quiet with yourself, really see what's like there. So my biggest accomplishment in the self-love department has been like looking at myself in an outfit being like, this actually doesn't flatter me. Like I don't look good at this angle. I don't look good today, but you know what? I'm a, like, I'm worthy of love and respect and consideration anyway. Even if I didn't put on a full face of makeup, even if I do look kind of ugly today, even if this outfit isn't my best, like, that's not going to be like, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not, but it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to steal my joy all day long. Like, like creating an actual boundary with your own critic. Have to. Yeah. The most important boundary to set. My God. Mm-hmm. 
So if you had to, well, I don't want you to define magic, but I want to know like what it means to you in this moment. In this moment, it means, it, it means having a relationship with the invisible world that I don't completely understand, but have faith in. Mm. And so I'm in some, I'm in like situations in my life where like, I really am being forced to reckon with myself of how strong is my faith and does my faith work? Does the fact that I have witches all over the world, lighting candles and sprinkling salt and praying for me, like, will I believe, will I believe that that's just as effective? Like, so and I do. I believe that language of the invisible. I believe that like we can send energy. I believe that thoughts become things. I believe that we can protect those we love. Like by praying for them, I just think those things. Um, and so it is. It's quite religious. I've found that like my the the more I develop my practice with magic, the more the principles bleed into every religion I've ever studied when you really get to the core of it. Um, so it's just having a, a faith that I, I have the favor of our universe. Like I, I, I can stay in the favor of our universe. I can petition the favor of our universe. Um, but it also mirrors my belief in magic mirrors the principles of physics in a lot of ways too, like, which are also proving that thoughts have energy. So I don't know. It just kind of feels like, I feel like if a dog were to explain this, it's just like, it's like, I just am. And I just be, and I just know things like, I'm like, you know, like how we all kind of just am and be and know things sometimes, but listening to it is a whole art form that will, that takes a lifetime to develop. I've learned aligning with those intentions and cultivating them internally so that we can believe in them yes. externally. Well, um, this prayer that I said when I was in a 12 step program, like one of the prayers that we said at the end was the Lord's prayer. Give us our, give us to stay our daily bread and take away our difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to your love. And so like, the prayer is aligning your will with the will of the divine. Like it's, and that's the same. If you change the language, it's surrendering the ego. It's like, it's, it's, it, can, it can become religious. It becomes psychological. It can become metaphysical. It can become a physics thing, but I think it's all essentially the same. And is that like, there's so much that we can't control. The ultimate peaceful route is surrender. And, but in it, and, but, but ideally the, the, the most, relaxing kind of surrender for us is like if we surrender to something that we believe is intelligent and benevolent like we must believe that it is intelligent and benevolent if we're going to surrender at all coming back to the tarot coming back to the 78 cards in the deck if you had to choose one that would reflect the season of life that you're in right now Mm. I'm in the hangman <laughs> very much so so for the listeners who don't know Tara well can you tell them yeah, what he is so I'm only saying that because the hangman is stalking me the hangman has never been a card that I've like overly identified with um 
But the hangman is card 12 in the tarot. So it comes right before the death card, which is card 13. Um, and then 11, I guess, switches. It's either justice or um, strength, depending. So that one's not as important. But ultimately, the hangman speaks to how you prepare for death because death is the inevitable next card. And so it's the transformation that a human is capable of through surrender. And in Way Home Tarot, we depicted the hangman as a chrysalis with kind of the cosmos happening inside of the chrysalis rather than in the sky behind it. So it's this as above, so below principle that we are intended to radically transform. It will be uncomfortable, like in the same way that a caterpillar turns to literal like soupy goo and like probably thinks it's dying. Wouldn't you? Like what the fuck is happening to me right now? Um, But I don't believe, like, I think that humans are here as alchemists. I think that we are here to alchemize ourselves and to transform beyond what we currently are. Um, And that sounds like a far out thing, but like, that's also the theory of evolution. It's like what every like living species on this planet has already done. We are here to continue evolving. (sighs) I kind of forgot what I was talking about, to be honest. (laughs) This is the season of life you're in now. So... So I'm evolving. It's painful. And I feel like goo. And I feel like what the fuck is going on? Like very bewildered by it all. However, there's enough intelligence. Like the caterpillar was always designed to become a butterfly. So even in the most chaotic moments of its transformation, there's something in its design that is equipped to handle it. It's like women giving birth. It's like, how the fuck are you going to do that? Like, but then you do like, cause your whole body is like, knows how to do it. Like, So I don't know what I become. I don't know what happens on the other side of the hangman, but like for now I'm, I'm kind of like hardening soup. Like the soup is hardening. And it's like, you can do it in a, in many different ways. You can do it with grace and non-attachment, or you can fucking knock yourself out and have somebody pull that baby out with forceps, or you can be in labor for, 47 hours in the worst pain of your life or you can have an orgasm during your birth like can you i mean literally it ha- it's gonna happen no matter what so what is yeah. your experience of it going to be i find humor is the best like mostly hard soup is like definitely like a tinder bio <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know i don't have a tinder but i do have like a sticky i want i'm like starting a sticky of like potential tinder bios because like i feel like i come up with 17 funny ones a day I mean, like hire me to come up with your dinner bio. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about your creative process with the way home tarot. Um, Autumn is the most magical human. I'm just so lucky to have met her. Like it's one of those things, like when you went to go get your outfit tailored and then you ended up renting a space, like, I went to the dog park and like ended up meeting a soulmate. Um, she is so, so talented, so phenomenal. Like, and I had the thought of making a deck before I connected the deck to Autumn. And Autumn is your illustrator. Autumn is the illustrator. Yes. Autumn Whitehurst is the illustrator of Way Home and, 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 and truly more than the illustrator, the, co- the co-creator and the collaborator. Um, these concepts, we came, we came up with this deck together from the concepts. So it was really beautiful. I mean, the reason that I wanted to make the deck was because I 
couldn't find a deck that I was connecting with. Um, but I connected with the tarot conceptually so strongly and I couldn't find it in a modern deck or an old deck. It just wasn't there. So when I got, when I, when Autumn agreed to make it, the creative process was lovely. I had just moved to North Carolina. So I would fly back to New York like often, like one week out of every month. And we would just sit in her studio together um, and go card by card and like, be like, what do we think an ace of pentacles should look like? Like what shapes, like what colors, like, and it was such hard work. Like I was so shocked by how it took so long. We started this process right when I left uh, New York. So since 2015, this has been. Did you start creating The Way Home before you um, started writing your book? Yes. Before the book, before Everyday Magic. It was like the OG thing that I knew I wanted to make. Okay. It's funny that it's like the last to come out, but it's also like the biggest flex because it's so good. Autumn just slayed. Um, But Autumn is so... uh, She's so intelligent. She knows so much about so much stuff. She's a studied and seasoned like occultist and illustrator. So she was able to like get it on multiple levels. And it was just fun. Like it was fun to, I respect her immensely as well. What? Was Autumn a tarot reader as well? She knew tarot. She studied tarot a lot, but she wasn't reading as actively as I was, even though she probably knows more about the tarot. Okay. at the time um but I mean it was it was a long it was like a long hard um but like very stimulating process like I've never I I was always excited to do that work with her whether it was coming up with concepts or like tweaking colors I mean even in the hardest moments of it it was still the best that's so interesting I thought that um that was the last project that you had undergone. I know. I, it's been with me for so long, um, but it's just taken, it's taken. I thought initially it would come out when the book came out. I, we had all kinds of date, like dates that we thought it would be finished by. But um, I mean, a lot of it, because I don't do anything. I don't illustrate. So Autumn was doing all of that. And she was just like up. I mean, she went into like a true wormhole of illustration where she barely slept for like months and months finishing this deck. Like it could not have been done in a moment sooner. Yeah. It just took four years from the idea to the birth. Tell me about the name. Hmm? The way home. Tell me about the name. Mm. Um, we had a bunch of words. Like we had, I wonder if I can find this. Autumn sent me this like long, frantic sticky when we were trying to come up with, it won't matter because it's a podcast actually. Um, (laughs) So we had like mirror tarot was one of them. Priori, which is the word already known. It's like the Harry's Potter spell Priori and Cantardum. Um, I don't know how way home, like, because I think Autumn was saying, she's like, home is so important to you. Like we have to incorporate the idea of home. Mm. And like, we were talking about the tarot as a map and then it kind of just like happened. It's like these cards lead the way home. And we're like, we're like, what if it was just the way home? Or we're like, what if it was just way home? And what if we made way home one word? It was like a truly inspired, like it was the last thing that happened. All the cards were just like, most of the cards were designed. All of them were conceptualized. Like it was getting to a point where it's like, we need to name this because I need to start like telling people that it's coming out and like what it's called. So, but 
all my shit takes so long to name it. Every, every image I took a long time to name itself. It was going to be Arcana for a while, which is like so much lamer than everyday magic. Now that I think about it, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. It's, what the fuck is tarot? I knew right away. I wanted the title of that, but that's a little less nuanced. Yeah. <laughs> I love it though. Cause it's like, we're all on the journey. Where, where are we going? We're going fucking home. That was the hope. Um, so I was originally going to ask you to like pick a card and like say your favorite card, but if you feel the way about tarot that I do, then that's like trying to pick your favorite kid. (laughs) That's really hard. So I thought I could just shuffle the deck. You. Pull one out. And then you can just tell me about it. Yeah, tell me about the the image that you chose. Yes, I love that idea. What you feel about it, if you have any stories about it. If you guys haven't read Bakar's book, What the Fuck is Tarot? She has an antidote for every single card, a personal antidote. And it just makes the book so much more dynamic and understandable and relatable. And she approaches the cards with, just from a fresh perspective, something that you can actually understand. Mm. Uh, well, good thing this is a podcast. I'm blushing now. <laughs> All right, here we go. The Eight of Cups, girl. Oh my God. Okay. So the Eight of Cups is an octopus washed up onto the beach, and he is surrounded by eight different trash cups that had also washed up onto the beach so this is one of the this is one of a few cards in the deck that I didn't think of having kind of political implications in it but it definitely does I mean my thought was like tarot should mirror life and like trash has become a part of our life pollution and like death of marine life because of pollution has become a big part of our life um so With the Eight of Cups, I'm trying to think if we had any concepts for the Eight of Cups before it became the octopus with the trash cups, but I don't think we did. I think that was the first one because I knew the eight, like, so the suit of cups is the water. It's a water element. And so I knew I wanted the Eight of Cups to be a octopus because it is the water element and it's the eight legs, but it's also this creature that is known for wisdom and mystery and protection being thwarted in a way that we never intended to harm it in a way but like it's it's the inevitable product of a polluted ecosystem and like the eight of cups is loss and heartbreak and like walking away from what cannot be fixed and like I imagine how I would feel coming up to this octopus on the beach where it's dead And it's like, you know, pollution is a mirror for us. It's like, I did this. Like, you can't help but look at that. You look at that and you see that you did that. Like, even if it wasn't your trash, like, it's your trash somewhere else doing it. Like, so that feeling of helplessness where, like, there's nothing to do but walk away. Maybe clean up your trash, but hopefully just don't make, don't do this next, or cycle. Do something different. Like, so... The Eight of Cups is definitely uh, one of the darker cards of the 
<laughs> of the tarot, but there's so many dark cards of the tarot that I really wanted to like capture the sen- the particular sensation of each one. And like, there's a helplessness in the eight of cups or like, it's too late. The best thing you can do is like learn and like not forget this moment. So you don't repeat it. Mm-hmm. And have the strength to like walk away and change something even when you're comfortable where you are now. I mean, people can get comfortable in all kinds of fucked up situations. I've learned. Everyday Magic is a shop. If you guys haven't seen it, it's in Durham, North Carolina, and it has all kinds of mystical wares and ritual objects, but definitely the biggest, um, draw for me is your crystal collection, which is the best I've seen. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with crystals, how it grew and what, how you incorporate them into your life, into your practice, into magic. Totally. Um, crystals are like my main bay that I never anticipated. Like I feel like I'm more, I'm not, maybe not more known for crystals, but almost equally known for crystals now as I am for tarot, which I never intended because tarot was this conscious, active study. Um, And I've been obsessed with crystals since I was a little kid. And I got like a, a set for Hanukkah, this little compartmentalized like tackle box full of minerals. And I got pyrite. I'm like, oh my God, this is the fucking coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, and that was that. And it's in my relationship with stones has felt pretty much like that ever since, like very young, very excited, like nonverbal, like very physical. Um, so when I started learning through tarot, I learned about the chakra system and it made perfect sense to me right away. I'm like, this is how the body is divided. Like it's probably much more complex than that and nuance, but it was something I could immediately understand the color associations, the functions of each energy center and crystals naturally made sense to me from the place of chakras, like, because they're color coordinated. Like it's not that deep. I'm like, this makes sense to me because the colors correspond with the chakras. And so I started learning about stones from that place. And so I would see clients And I would buy stones from my experience of like, what can I give to them to hold during a reading? Like what would be, if it gets too much, like what could I give them? Like almost as a supplemental prescription. And then I would start telling them like to get stones, but every single crystal shop in New York is awful. I don't know how it has managed to be not good yet anywhere. Um, Everyday magic is coming. Don't worry. Um, But I love them anyway. I had a huge collection when I moved here. I actually like did a purge recently. I had more crystals living in New York than I do now as like the owner of a crystal shop, which is funny. Um, but I started, I went to a gem show when I opened everyday magic to like bring some crystals in, but I was still really convinced. I'm like, I'm gonna have crystals, but I'm also gonna have like pillows and I'm going to have like, you know, candles and home goods and watches and jewelry. Like all this other stuff that I really loved, like I'm an Instagram, uh, you know, like I spend too much time on Instagram just like everyone else. Like, like I had, I had a that I knew all the brands that I follow that I wanted to bring in. I had a very like specific taste and now it's like, it's all crystals. It is just like completely like the, the, the people have spoken 
and they want crystals. I want crystals. Um, so it's become this like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I feel like I've met a group of people through going to gem shows that like, I just didn't think these kinds of people existed. Like they're so lovely and happy and they don't give a fuck about like Instagram or like any of this stuff. Like you, I'm truly meeting people who have entered into contracts of guardianship with the earth, like, and they are true guardians of the earth. And like, there's a lot of not that in the crystal industry, but like the people that I've like the people that we've like made relationships with and that I've been able to buy from, like, I feel initiated into a kind of magic that I didn't know I needed. And it's, and it's a, it's completely different than tarot magic or ritual magic or anything like that. But, um, it makes me happy. <laughs> and how do you work with crystals in your um, personal? I mean, I'm like trying to think I'm like, they're on my coffee table right next to me. Like one of them was like my blue agus like on my throat right now. So my throat has been like inflamed. So I have like blue chalcedony that I'm like keeping on my throat. Um, I put them in altars. I give them to my dog when she's feeling sick. My dog just cut her uh, cheek today. And I put um, a piece of carnelian on her bed for like rapid healing of like cells. Um, I have like, they're pretty and they make me a rainbow. So like, they're like put all over the place. But I mean, when you're meditating people, you can lay them on your body. Um, You can carry them with you. You can place them on your altar. You can keep them around your home or in your office. Um, I have found infinite uses for them. Put them in the bath. (laughs) And do you subscribe to the idea that, um, you know, every crystal has certain properties and if you work with this crystal, you can align with these healing properties and that those properties are kind of set into that stone? Or do you think it's a little more open in regards to like, maybe a crystal has many different uses and it's different for every person? How do you kind of teach about that? Well, like take a stone like Labradorite, like the, the scientific facts of how the stone is formed mirror, oftentimes will mirror the stone's metaphysical properties. So Labradorite, which is the flashy, um, magician stone, um, is layers and layers of feldspar. And the reason that it glows the way it does is the layers of that mineral trap the light inside of it. And it glows as it leaves because it's light slowing down. Um, in Labradorite is a stone for harnessing light. <laughs> like, it's like, okay, like it makes yeah. sense. Like, you know, um, so there's some natural associations and then there's a historical associations that are made of them over time where like, you know, the first time Labradorite was discovered, like the Nordic people thought it was like the skin of the gods. Like it was this iridescent glowing thing. So it's not quite as, I do think that each one has specific properties only because they're made of different things. They come from different environments. They grow in different conditions. They have different metals and like uh, pieces in it. So they become energetically different, like as they become different matter. Um, But whether you work with them or not, and this is what I found, and I'm around a lot of crystals, but being around crystals will subtly change your vibration over time, even if you don't work with them. It's the reason that they make such amazing gifts. Like, magic is real. And so, and these guys are doing something. So like, even if it's just sitting in your home and you think it's pretty, like 
they're still subtly shifting you. Like they're some of the most potent and pure things that the earth can make. Um, so they do something, they've captured the imagination of every, like from the Kings and Queens of biblical times to scientists and geologists, to witches, to children, like you won't find you won't you I can delight anyone with a stone and that's what I love about it even if you're the biggest asshole who like hates me and hates magic I will show you a rock that will make you happy like it just will we're just people we have that reaction to it it's kind of amazing yeah I love that um that's kind of how I feel about Reiki too right it's like you don't have to engage with the energy for it to work on you you don't have to believe in the energy for it to work on you you don't even have to know it exists for it to for it to do its thing totally I'll like grid my apartment building like I'll put like selenite pieces in like corners and I'm like this works. Like, 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 I'm like, I'm just like, no one needs to know. Like, it's fine. Like I'm sprinkling it around, but I mean, that's it. Belief has some kind of energy and currency in the, in the, in the invisible world. I'm, I, I think, I think it's like probably one of the driving forces of it. Our thoughts have so much to do with our reality. Yes. And they have an electromagnetic frequency. Like they're doing something now where they put like, you can put a helmet on and your thoughts can direct like a robot hand. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're not as powerful as words and words aren't as powerful as actions, but your actions will mirror your thoughts. They just will. And so there's a million reasons from, you know, depression to anxiety to white privilege to lack to like to whatever to to not change your thoughts it's the hardest thing you'll ever do but like we still must or else we're gonna feel how we like we're gonna feel we're gonna still we're gonna stay where we are and that sucks no thank you (laughs) we have to it's the seed it's where it all begins it's already changing. We're changing and it's hard work. It's hard. We're doing hard emotional labor on ourselves. Every single person who's like in this Ascension group is like, if you're listening, if you're listening, like you've been dragged and it has been real and like the universe knows it. And it's like, it's, it's been so traumatic and toxic that there hasn't really been time to sit down and like shake and cry and like process. Like, I can't believe this all just happened to me, but like, that time will come. Like we've been going through this alone, but we will heal together. Like that is what is supposed to happen. And I think that everyone's finally coming out of the shadows of the shame and the secrets and like, you know, carrying the burden alone of what they've gone through and seeing that like we move from the wound to the gift when we can share in the gift with other people, like the trauma bonding needs to stop. Like the, anything that keeps us mired in the wound will no longer serve us, even though it did serve us because we needed it to be seen and we needed to relive it and we needed to heal it. Um, but the rest of the healing happens in community. I feel that so strongly. Like everyone's been so alone for so long. This year has been so weird. Mm-hmm. And it's also like we are, we're just waking up to it. We're waking up to see what's been there all along. Yeah. But like we were speaking earlier, it's like we're finally able to zoom out. We're finally able to see the situation from all different angles. And what's so beautiful is as people are zooming out, they're immediately hopping back in. Like, how can I help? How can I share this? How can I use what I went through to help other people? That's why you launching your course right now is such perfect timing. It's like people, you know, like 
you're coming out of it too with a little bit, so, you know, it's going to be beautiful. I feel that like, I feel like that six of pentacles energy of people coming with their gifts, with their abundance, with their share and like bringing it to the table. And willing to take responsibility. Must. What's theirs and owning it for sure. Well, I think that's a great place to end. I thank you so much for joining us. Um, for everyone who's listening, can you let people know how to find you and where you're at? Yes. Uh, the shop's Instagram is everyday two underscores magic. Um, and our website is shopeverydaymagic.com. Uh, my personal page is Bukara W, but I have no personal life. So there's not a lot going on over there, but feel free to follow both if you'd like. Um, and yeah, those are, the, those are the spots where you can find me. All right, you guys, Bukara's book is available at Everyday Magic. So is her deck, The Way Home. Um, you can check out her Instagram page for amazing crystal sales. How often do you have them? Uh, our Denver haul is coming in. When is this going to come out? Uh, the new moon in Libra. So the 28th. Okay. So yeah, this is a good time. So our, we're getting 1600 pounds of crystals in from Denver that will be unpacked and ready just in time for the new moon. So make sure you stay tuned. We announce um, the sales that we do on live every day. Um, There's always a lot of new stuff, a lot of amazing stuff we just got in. And it sells out quick, you guys. So you got to hop on and get it fast. And also check out your reading for the collective. That's every Sunday night, right? At 6? At 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, yeah. Sweet. All right. Thank you so much, Bakara. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, welcome to the second portion of the show. I'm going to give you all a forecast for the upcoming new moon in Libra and the following weeks as the moon waxes and grows. So I'm going to start with a couple of announcements. First of all, being that if you are here in Nashville and you want to join me, I have a few spots open as of now in my new moon ceremony. It's this Saturday in East Nashville at the Nashville Center for Alternative Therapy. And yeah, you just go on my website and purchase your tickets either through my website or you can Venmo me. Um... And yeah, it's a beautiful evening. We gather around an altar. I set up the space. We'll talk about Libra. We'll talk about the energies that are going to be present with us for this next cycle. And we have an opportunity to set intentions, to meditate. I guide you through visualization, offer Reiki and tarot guidance. So if you're interested, please come join us. I'm always super happy to serve and build my community here in Nashville. I love to see you babes in person. So uh, my second announcement is that I'm taking one more mentee. I have not uh, filled my last mentorship spot 
for the fall. So this will be my last mentorship spot for a while as I pause to work on some digital courses. So um, this is a one-on-one for three months. It includes a a deep dive into tarot. You get a Reiki level one attunement. I teach you about yoga, moon cycling, cycle syncing, spell work, candle magic, whatever it is that you feel drawn to. The beauty of this mentorship program is that it is catered to you and our time is always one-on-one, face-to-face or via Skype or Zoom. And it's just a really great opportunity to spend three months really working on your spiritual practice and growing and walking down that soul path. So applications, I'm closing out in um, just a couple of days. Okay. So if you want that spot, uh, it'll be open until the end of September and then I'm going to take it down. Okay, you guys. And then my last and most exciting announcement. I mentioned uh, briefly in the interview with Bakara that I am offering an eight-week digital course. So this is my first digital course um, with pre-recorded videos, and it's going to be a journey into tarot. So approaching the tarot from an intuitive place, learning how to throw out your guidebook and have the confidence and trust to read with intuition. I'm going to teach you about the tools that I use to approach tarot from my background in meditation, in yoga, in Reiki. So applying those principles to the tarot, and I'll teach you about the archetypes and elemental wisdom and the chakra system and how to apply these things to the tarot and how to read with more confidence and not rely on the external resource of a guidebook. Um, Or even to look at the cards as like this, external resource that's telling us what to do. They're guiding us to a new perspective, but we are the ones that hold the power when we read. We'll also cover how to read for others, rituals around readings. We'll go through all 78 cards in the deck, one by one, upright, reversed, what strengthens, what opposes, how to learn to apply masculine and feminine energies to the cards, how to see how the cards relate to each other and tell a story together and what it looks like to lay out a spread and all of those questions that I've received over my last five years of teaching, I'm going to uh, put into this course. And it's going to be really beautiful. I'm going to have a community for everyone who's joins to connect with each other and we'll have weekly Q&A roundups where I'll answer all of your questions via Zoom so you'll get that FaceTime with me as well. It's called the Sacred Wheel and it's all about that spiralic journey of the ego and the soul and how we can walk that line between the two with grace and courage. And so not only will you learn a lot about 
the tarot and how to read the tarot, but you'll also, through the course offerings and the homework, you'll learn a lot about yourself and where you are in your journey now and what your sole purpose is at that at this time. So I hope you can join me for that. The pre-sale opens Friday at midnight or Saturday at midnight. And uh, I'm going to give a deep discount for the first two weeks. It's $222, and then the price will go up to $333. So jump on that. Don't sleep. Um, And yeah, I'm really excited to get that going for you guys. So without further ado, let's jump right into the reading. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed that interview with my one of my tarot teachers and mentors because I'm going to interview my other tarot teacher and mentor, hopefully for our next uh, full moon reading. And again, I'm reading with the deck that was created by Bakara and Autumn. And it's available at Everyday Magic. It's called The Way Home, and it's a gorgeous deck. And the first card I pulled from it is, well, the first two cards I pulled are the Nine of Wands reversed and the Moon reversed. So the Nine of Wands is this kind of intense final push to get to the finish line. And when we're in the nine of wands energy, we're often kind of feeling tired, depleted, like lost on our path. And the moon is this energy of shadow work, of duality, of going in and looking at our internal landscape and quieting the external world, right? And so it's this kind of a deep dive into the mystery of things. And seeing these two reversed is telling me that um, it's time to step out of that. We're, we've been kind of dragged by the moon and then we're feeling tired with the nine of wands. We're like, God damn, I've been doing this work. I'm exhausted. And the, what the cards are telling me now is like, okay, it's time to, to stop pushing right? It's time to kind of let go of this intense internal work. It's, it's guided us to where we need to go. And the sun is coming up upright next to the moon. So this is a step out of that deep internal shadow work and into more clarity and more joy and more spontaneity and this kind of childlike curiosity. So this tells me that um, the work that we've been doing over these last few cycles, really since the eclipses in the summer, if you really want to go there, like the last, I would say two to three years have been a big drag for us, really asking us to up level. Um, And now we're getting to finally see some of the fruits of our labor in this next cycle. And that's so beautiful because the, the Libra season, right? Libra is the element of air and it's, it's guided by um, or associated with the tarot card justice. So it's this balance of the scales. And I'm pulling the two of swords and the lovers, which are two cards about finding balance. So what the two of swords is offering to us now 
is to kind of let go of the struggle, let go of that push, let go of that sense of kind of like burning out. And it's allowing us to cut karmic ties with that which has been holding us down. So there'll be this element of freedom. And that's one of the the words that I use to describe the lovers is this freedom within union. And that has to come through setting strict boundaries with ourselves. So going into this moon energy over this last cycle has allowed us to see like, oh, where are our boundaries being crossed? Or where where have we not even set any at all, both with ourselves and with others? So often when I talk about boundaries, we can immediately think about like boundaries in relationships, who's crossing lines there. But we also need to have boundaries with ourselves, boundary with our time, boundaries with our energy, boundaries with what we allow in and out based on just our needs, our physical needs, our mental needs, our spiritual needs. So maybe you need to set a boundary around, I don't know, social media, around, you know, exercise, around different disciplines in your life, which Virgo season really asked us to do last month, right? Is like, look at these areas of our life where we can feel more health and vitality. And so I also feel like with the two of swords, we get this opportunity to heal the second chakra. Sometimes when I see this card, there's this um, second chakra block that uh, doesn't allow us full access to um, our self-worth. And that happens too when we, we're not saying no. We're not setting that boundary. And often the boundary with the two of swords is kind of a strong no. It is when we need to say this is a line and you cannot cross it. And so how many times can we say that um, without feeling any guilt or any need to validate it to someone or any need to overexplain the no, right? Just like, no, here it is. We don't need to offer any more than that. And we can have confidence in that no. And so the second chakra governs our our desires, our wants. And so you can even ask yourself the question, are you saying no to any of that? Do you allow yourself to receive your pleasures, to enjoy the things that you desire without a feeling of shame or guilt? Do you allow the the same to others or do you allow others to fulfill those those desires, right? And it, it can be easy to kind of apply this to sexuality because that's also the second chakra, but it's not just sexuality. It's all areas of life, right? What do you what do you truly want? What do you truly desire? This is something you can ask yourself as you reflect for this new moon. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, a new moon is the dark moon. So it really is a time to go internal. This is why I like to offer ceremony is because it's a great time for internal reflection, planting seeds of intention, and then moving forward with action and manifestation over the weeks that follow, right? And so I love during these ceremonies to kind of take you inward into a guided meditation, ask what these seeds that you're planting are, share them, and then and then set this plan of action out, right? How are we going to manifest that? What small actions can we take every day to move towards this in the future? And so 
with this reading ending with the lovers and strength is a card I pulled with the lovers. So, you know, we have, we've been cultivating this strength. We've been cultivating this courage. We've been cultivating this opportunity to show up and be vulnerable. That's really what strength is about. It's, it's about the courage to be vulnerable, to let go of shame, blame, defensiveness, all of the things that happen when we get triggered. And if you guys want to go deeper into emotional triggers, check out my newsletter from last month. I have a whole kind of section of like what it means to be triggered, what happens when we're triggered, what action steps we can take. And it's our, it's our ability to hold space so that even when we feel triggered, even when the ego feels attacked, even when we risk loss or the feeling of being unseen, unheard, unloved, unaccepted by another person, we can still stand true in our power and ask, well, how can I serve? What can I give? Instead of um, being defensive or being victimized or coming at our relationships or our work or whatever it is, thinking like, what is this going to do for me? What is this going to get me? When we're standing in our strength with the lovers, the question then becomes, how can I serve? And and we're not looking for validation in this external way. We are finding that validation internally within ourselves. We are holding space and love and understanding for ourselves through those triggers. We are reparenting ourselves so that we become the ones who see us. We become the ones who hold space for the difficult emotions. And when we allow ourselves to do that, then we can better hold space for others. We can better approach relationship and we can better understand and be able to stay calm during conflict because we don't need the other person to see us, to love us, to validate us, to make us feel like we are worth loving. And and that's a really beautiful thing. Now, I pulled a card from the liminal space called interdependence, and it's funny because interdependence is a word that I often use for the lover. So freedom within union or interdependence. And what is interdependence? It's the opposite of codependent. It's funny because years ago uh, in therapy, I was speaking to my therapist and the word codependent came up. And um, after I left her, I thought about it. And I was like, well, if I'm not codependent, then what's the goal? Like, what would I be? And then, you know, being the nerd that I am, I, I Googled it and I found the word interdependence. I, I didn't even have a word for, for what the opposite of codependence was. Um, and it's been since then that I've been exploring how to create this in my own life. And tarot has been a big part of that too, uh, in helping reflect the ways in which codependency becomes present. And one of them is the lack of that two of swords, the lack of those boundaries, the lack of um, allowing for my wants and my needs or feeling guilt or shame around them because I was not allowed that much as a child, right? And I think we all have some sort of wounding, some sort of... Uh, 
experience of not being able to be witnessed or um, have parents or caregivers who were super present with us when we needed it. And this is a time when we're all really up-leveling into emotional intelligence, into radical responsibility, into understanding, right? Like I said, a few readings past, like not my monkeys, not my circus, like just because that emotional intelligence and maturity wasn't always present for us doesn't mean that we can't uphold it. And with this card, Interdependence, and the Two of Swords, and the Sun, and the Lovers, it's like it's time to step up into finding this freedom within union, letting go of just shaming and blaming and defensiveness and needing to, um, again, ask what we're getting instead of what we're giving. Because the more freedom with which we give, the more we will receive. The more openly we give, the more that we receive. Okay, you guys. So I hope that this reading gives you a bit of clarity and that you can come back to it throughout the next few weeks and uh, get some guidance. I really think that this is going to be, in the words of Chani, just a super cute moon, right? Libra is ruled by Venus and it's bringing in a lot of just um, opportunity for beauty and connection. And so I'm wishing you guys all well. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. If you want to uh, rate and review this podcast, it would be a big help. It really helps other people find me. Um, And I love to hear your reviews. Give me a five-star rating if you love it or whatever you feel is appropriate. You could also support it via Anchor um, monetarily or just post it. Post it on your socials, share it with your friends. And um, I thank you so much for being here. New New moon blessings. And I will see you next week. Take care.